0: You know, once you jump into podcasting and you take it seriously, a lot of amazing things can happen. My guest today is Kyle Bondo. He's a guy who has done exactly that. I met Kyle at DC PodFest a couple of years ago, and we just hit it off. We had a great time, and I've enjoyed getting to know him over social media a little more since that time. So in this episode of Podcastification, I introduce to you my friend, Kyle Bondo. (music) My name is Kerry Green, and I am the Client Happiness Guy at PodcastFastTrack.com, and this is Podcastification. This show is all about podcasting, how to do it, how not to do it, best practices, interesting news items that have to do with the realm of podcasting, and who knows what else. And I'm trying to do it all with a little bit of fun and some information to help you get a show going, keep yours going, or make it better. And if you like what's going on here on the show, I would appreciate it, oh, so appreciate it, if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. You can find out how to do that at podcastfasttrack.com slash review. That's enough of that kind of stuff. Let's get you podcastificated right away. So I am right here in the middle of Clean Feed. If you don't know about Clean Feed, go back to, I don't know what episode it is. Go back go back, and find out about the recording methods. Clean Feed's in there. And I'm in here with a guy named Kyle Bondo. Kyle, how are you doing
1: today? Hey, pretty good, Kerry. How are you doing?
0: I am great. And you are like right around Washington, D.C., correct?
1: Yep. Just 40 miles outside of the south to Fredericksburg is where we're at.
0: Fredericksburg, Sure. Okay, so you are over where it's snowy, and I am over here where it's supposed to be snowy, but it's not really <laughs> snowy here in Colorado this year for whatever reason. But that's probably going to change. But we're wow. not here to talk about where we live or the weather. We're here to talk about podcasting. You ready for that? I am. Let's do this. All right. Kyle's somebody I met at DC Podfest last year. I think it was last October or November at DC Podfest. I was there to speak, and Kyle was. One of the people that was there. And at that time, Kyle, you had launched your podcast already and had
1: how many episodes live at that point? I think merchants of dirt had four. That was pretty new.
0: <laughs> yeah. Merchants of dirt. So explain that for a minute. You go out buying dirt from people. What, what goes on?
1: So it's the concept of building off-road races for mountain bikes, trail runs, adventure races, and it's the business behind having to put one of those together. And that's oh, kind of yeah. what the podcast is all about. The, the oh. tips and tricks and all the strategies.
0: Yeah, which is, I think you're making a good point there just to begin with. I mean, no matter what we're podcasting about, whether it's a hobby or a niche or a pursuit of some sort like mountain biking, there is always, if you want to monetize or you want to make money from that, there's always a business side behind the thing that you see on the surface. And so Kyle has really niched into that in a good way to help people understand the business side of this sport that they love so much. So- Just let that bounce around in your brain for a little bit. If you haven't thought about what it really takes to monetize a podcast, it takes that kind of thinking that there are people out there interested in what you're doing, but there's this whole background business thing that you can kind of key in on sometimes. And Kyle has done a good job of that. So way to go, Kyle. We want to talk about podcasting, not just because he's got Merchants of Dirt. He's got a couple of other shows that he started since. Is it two or just one?
1: Well, so right now it's two. So the other one is called Get Lost Racing, where- I was looking for obscure endurance events, and the more obscure I got, the more interesting they became. So I decided, hey, let's do like the serial podcast, 12 episodes, one run, and talk about some really strange endurance type events. And that's kind of what the genesis of that was. And that'll be season two starting next year.
0: Wow, that's a pretty neat idea. So you got these two podcasts going. So you've been podcasting a little over a year here. And you also started this thing called Gaggle Pod. If you haven't heard of it, folks who are listening, it's just like it sounds G-A-G-G-L-E-P-O-D.com. And Kyle has all kinds of cool resources there. It looks like he's doing meetups and workshops and a blog and different services. So
1: Kyle, why don't you explain to us kind of how Gaggle Pod came about and what in the heck it is? Well, I've been doing meetups for about 10 years for the mountain biking side of the house. And I'm also an IT guy in my day job. So I kind of live in this IT and sports world. And as the day job IT stuff, you're always out there looking for new skills. And I was part of a little meetup that did programming languages and software tech and those kind of things. And there was an interest among the group for a speaker on some cutting edge technology. And they considered, I guess, podcasting to be cutting edge, but they didn't really understand it. And I said, you know what? I've been spending all this time I'm trying to figure out all by myself how to build a podcast. I think it'd be cool for the IT guys to understand how a podcast works, just even if they just want to talk about IT or the IT side of podcasting. We kind of did both angles. And the turnout was not too bad for a little tiny meetup, 15, 20 people. It wasn't too bad to have that you know, that kind of crowd show up. So that got me thinking, well, I don't really see a lot of podcast meetups, especially in the DC area. I mean, there's a conference here and there. But no really kind of meetups or just community can get together. So I decided to start gaggle pod, gaggle like a gaggle of geese, you know find your flock yeah and yeah. then pod for podcasting. So just kind of just put that together and asked the local community college who does a uh, workforce stuff they teach uh, Adobe skills things like that and they're like, you know podcasting kind of fits into what we're looking for for people trying to learn new skills. They gave me some space, which is uh, you know a couple class you know classroom size space and we started advertising kind of did it bootstrappy. Didn't really put a lot out there. A couple Facebook ads, some, you know, the meetup announcement, meetup by itself, meetup.com helps you advertise based on keywords. So you can get kind of the word out in your local area. And I guess over the past, I think we're, we started really kind of hitting it hard in March. So over the past nine months, we've grown to about 50 members. They ebb and flow. Some groups are kind of tiny. We Maybe two or three people will show up on one particular day where you'll get 10 on another given day. So it's small and it's intimate, but we talk about just about every topic you can think about in podcasting. And a lot of times the next topic is usually kicked off by the people who show up to the first group. What do you want to talk about? Hey, tell me about how do you build an audience? So that's the next topic. And we'll talk about building an audience. What do you want to talk about? Hey, I really want to know how a mixer works. Okay, then we do, we do podcast tech. So we, we go back and forth all over the place, any kind of topic. And I just become, I guess over the past nine months, it feels like I'm writing a book, you know, maybe I should. When I start working on these different topics, turn pieces together, you start to find out what your audience wants and you give it to them. It's, it's kind of satisfying.
0: Yeah, that is pretty satisfying when you know that you're meeting an actual need that people have expressed and uh, you get to be kind of the point man for that. So how does it feel having been podcasting for just over a year and suddenly in that little community, at least you're kind of the expert. How does that feel?
1: I think the best feeling I've received from this so far was I had one individual, his name's Tim Bryan. He runs a podcast called KDIO Podcast and does art. He's really into like veterans and doing this, uh, therapy to veterans through art. He showed up to Gaggle Pod every single time. I think he missed one. So he said all for, for nine episodes or nine sessions, he showed up to all eight of them and then launched his podcast. He's on episode like six or seven, he's brand new. But knowing that this guy showed up, listened to what I had to say and then launched his podcast because of that, that was a cool feeling. That was a cool feeling. Like, it's like the baby bird leaving the nest. It was, it was really satisfying.
0: Yeah, and especially with the kind of topic he's talking about or the, the people that he's helping. and that's really
1: meaningful stuff. And you had a hand in that. That's a pretty cool feeling. You can do podcasts, and you, can, you know you have listeners out there, but the interaction, especially in the first year, I've had minimal interaction with my audience. You get an email every now and then, a tweet every now and then. But when you're standing in front of a group of people, you can see them in their eyeballs and they are asking those kind of questions. I think the interaction in a meetup definitely gives you, gives you a better sense of not only who you, your audience may or may not be, but they get to ask those kind of questions. And you can tell that the answer they got is a lot more satisfactory than whatever they found online, or they can ask those kind of like one, you know, one question in 17 parts. And they know that there's not some sort of like angle. It's like not at the end of gaggle pod. I don't say, and eh, you know, and buy this stuff and buy all that. That's not the point for GagglePod right now. It's simply just giving it forward.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Now, Kyle, I just noticed on your website, some blog posts that you have there, and I think these are great fuel for conversation. So I want to kind of walk through a few of these and get you to explain some of the things that you've described there. And I've picked out two in particular because both of these resonate with me. They're things that I try to say, and I'm not sure I always say it the best way. So I'd love for you to say it a different way, hopefully, than what I say. But the first one, The title of the post is reach a bigger audience with a podcasting strategy. And you outline three or four points there that are part of a strategy. I just want to walk through those strategy point. Number one, you say, have something to say. All right, explain that. What do you mean by that?
1: I think with a lot of podcasters get lost in the technical aspect, the hosting, the construction part of it, and forget that if they don't have anything that's compelling, or they don't have something that they want to actually connect to an audience with, they're not really going to have a whole lot of engagement or, or not a lot of listenership. So this, I see it with, with people who come in who are business owners who want to do a podcast on their business. They kind of want to turn it into this 15-minute commercial that they want to talk about, you know, sell, 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 rather than talk about an interesting aspect about their business. One in particular was a, a guy who did uh, who was a coffee guy. Who wanted to sell, wanted to sell his beans, wanted to sell his roasting machines, wanted to sell those kind of things. And he kept on saying, he's like, well, you know, how many ads can I put into a podcast? Can I, the whole podcast just be a giant commercial? And instead trying to convince him to say, well, here's a better idea. Why do you pick those beans? Why do you pick that particular machine over that machine? What is it about coffee that makes you like brewing coffee or drinking coffee or being around people who do coffee? And when I say about having something to say, every topic has something like that. There's something more interesting about it than rather just, you know, buy my stuff. And I got this from, let's see, I think Simon Seek talks about finding your why, which is, what do you say with computers? It's like, we make computers. It can do all these cool things. You want to buy one versus uh, we build culture. We just happen to create all these computers. Oh, and you can buy one if you want to you know, the Apple versus HP or or Intel version of that. So kind of approaching the topic that way.
0: Yeah. And I totally, totally agree with you. I think there's kind of a double-edged sword when it comes to podcasting that we all have to come to terms with eventually. And what the two sides of that sword are is one side is podcasting is very easy to get started with relatively speaking. I mean, compared to what it used to be, where you had to get a contract with the radio station or a TV station and have someone produce it and you know, all that kind of stuff. Now you can do this from your closet if you want to. I mean, that's essentially what I'm <laughs> doing right now. I, I have a little closet studio that I built and it's the you best know, kind. <laughs> yeah. Foam on the wall, you know, I mean, you can do this from anywhere. I mean, there are apps out now where you can do this from your smartphone, anywhere you are. So podcasting in terms of the technical side is very easy. So anybody can do it. Well, the other side of that same sword is, Oh no, Anybody can do it. (laughs) And so you're going to get all kinds of garbage out there as well. You know, people who don't have something to say, they just want to hear themselves ramble or they want to feel important by having a podcast or whatever. And I'm not casting stones. I'm just saying, if you really want to build something that number one benefits people, real people in the real world, and number two, because you're investing in others is returning to you on your investment, some sort of profitability you've got to have something valuable to say. You really do. You can't just expect to get on the air and and ramble about things that are not very meaningful to people and expect that you're going to benefit from that. It just doesn't work that way. And I love your point. Commercials are not that. Commercials are not the value that people are looking for. When we think about that sort of an issue, you know, how many spots can you put in a podcast episode? (laughs) I mean, how many of us sign up for the Netflix channel that's all about commercials? You know, and that's all you do is watch commercial. (laughs) I mean, they don't have one because nobody would sign up for it. So don't think of your podcast in that way. So strategy point number two, you said content first, sales second. This is similar to what we're talking about. So expand
1: on that a little bit. The concept here, I started thinking about the need for you to think about delivering the story that you can sell a lot of things by simply talking about all the things around that. And you think I use in this particular example, I use soap operas as an example is soap operas were creating this compelling content all around their target audience was just happened to be women who stay at home and just happen to use soap to clean to do laundry and those kind of things. But the opera was what brought everyone to the TV or to the radio, I guess. The TV, yeah, radio. the drama, the drama. They want to see what's going to happen next. What's the thing that they're talking about that maybe it's controversial I've heard a lot of different tactics where you talk about a topic. We'll talk about the anti topic or what's the thing no one's talking about in the middle. Well, the same kind of concept is if I'm selling a product, well, in one case, I think I even talk about, I've heard like, like shoes as a perfect example, especially running shoes, especially in the off-road racing world, you can buy any kind of running shoe you can think of. There's 10,000 different variations of what kind of shoes for what type of running. Well, I can have a 30-minute shoe commercial to buy my shoe, and that's not going to get me to buy my shoe. But if I'm talking to a particular guy who happens to use my shoe all the time, or a particular way in which you know you designed a shoe for a certain purpose that, that does a certain thing versus another shoe, or you're thinking about the story of why you use shoes versus be barefoot i think there's a couple podcasts i heard about the barefoot running phenomenon well that doesn't do a shoe company any good but maybe it does maybe it's just the the compelling story of yeah you want to be a barefoot runner well maybe you should buy a shoe first before you go to barefoot running because you kind of have to have the endurance first before you go running finding the thing outside of the sale and delivering something of value before you try to ask for the sale and then there's tons of uh, you know the passive income people, the Pat Flynn's and the Michael Hyatt's out there. They'll tell you the value has to be there or no one's going to buy anything from you. So if your intent is to sell something, it's almost like 95% of your stuff should be the value. Because if they think you're important, they think they're not important, but they think that what you've given them is is worth something. They'll buy your stuff, but you got to do the value first.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's what is referred to as content marketing. You're not really doing traditional marketing where you're just getting in their face, interrupting whatever they're doing to put your message in front of them, like a typical TV commercial. You're giving content that they actually appreciate and can learn from and use in their life. And so when it comes time that they are interested in putting some money into whatever it is that you do as the content provider... They're naturally going to think of you because you've been in their earbuds for once a week for, you know, how many ever weeks, you know, I think that's sort of a philosophy. You're right on with that. I mean, you've got to deliver value first. Now, your third strategy point is one that I just want to beat this drum forever and ever <laughs> because we as a culture tend to want fast and easy and fast and easy doesn't really work. Not if you're going to do something world changing or let's not even say world changing. Let's just say niche changing. You know, the niche that you're podcasting in. And I came across this idea reading a book by a guy named Cal Newport. It's called So Good They Can't Ignore You. And the title comes from a comment that Steve Martin, the comedian, made once upon a time when someone asked him on an interview, what does it take to become a great comic? And he said, be so good they can't ignore you. (laughs) And the point is, you have to put in a whole lot of work to become that good. And Kyle's third strategy point here is play the long game, which I think relates to that. So Kyle, why don't you unpack that for us a little bit?
1: Sure. And I think it has to do with a lot to go back to the first two points of it's having something to say, and then it's saying, it's making that a value. And the long game is podcasting is not a one and done sort of media. It's the thing that you have to be building on. Now, being a podcaster for just a little over a year myself, I'm learning this in increments where I've discovered is the more episodes I have created, the bigger my audience gets and the bigger my downloads gets over time. Cause it compounds where someone comes and finds you and they go, Oh, I really like what he had to say about that. What else did he have to say and go and download the other 30 some odd or 40 some odd episodes. The marathon aspect of that is if you have something to say, Sometimes you're going to have to say it over and over and over and over and over again as the thread that goes through there because someone might not find you at episode three or four. Yeah, they absolutely. might find you at episode 60 or 100 and realize that, oh, my God, that is really what I wanted to hear. That is the, exactly the message I wanted. What else does this guy have or gal have and go back and find all those things? So the audience doesn't materialize right out of the gate. And I think a lot of podcasters have this problem, and I've heard this, especially in just the most recent DC Podfest, a lot of the the conversations are around people who, I think Dave Jackson gave the analogy of the farmer, where they go out and they plant their first episode in the ground, and they give it a little water, and it grows to episode three or four or five or seven, and then uh, they want to harvest it. It's like, it's a little tiny plant. You can't harvest it right now. And they're like, oh, podcasting is just, that's it's horrible. No one's ever coming. Yeah, I'm it done. doesn't work. Yeah, forget it. And they want to go straight to the corn Well, your little plant's only an inch tall. This is why I think it's the, the long game is important to understand because you have to get people's expectations in check. So if they start podcasting, you have to understand that an audience won't happen first year. Second year, in fact, I think some of the stats recently was what, three years in, you start to actually get some traction. So if you're, you're really committed to podcasting, you're really committed to your message, you have something to say it's of value, you're going to have to spend some time before an audience materializes.
0: Yeah, I can just give you a case in point. I have four podcasts cast now with a fifth one beginning early 2018. Wow, you're busy. <laughs> I, I'm too busy. And some some of this... Well, one of them is kind of on autopilot, and I can explain it to you at another time. But the other three, they do take quite a bit of work. But one of those shows, my longest running one, I've had for just about four years. And I am just now, Kyle, at the point that each episode gets about 300 downloads just now over four years. So you're talking about the long game here, and I totally appreciate that because it's one of those things that. You know, in our microwave society, we want it faster and some people get it faster for various reasons, but the average, the typical is not that the typical is this requires hard work. Like Steve Martin was saying for a long period of time before you actually see the payoff. And I think the most discouraging part in that process is that if you're not getting a lot of feedback at first as to how beneficial the content is that you're putting out there, it can get really discouraging. And you can just feel like, you know, I'm not making any difference. I'm going to just throw in the towel before you even got to the point. It's back to your plant illustration or Dave Jackson's plant illustration. So Kyle, what would you say to somebody who maybe is at that point? They've put out eight or 10 or 12 or 15 episodes and they're just not getting a lot of feedback about what's going on with their content and whether it's helping people. And they're tempted to just say, you know, I really don't think this is worth it. How can they know it's worth it? How can they kind of screw up their courage and take a second stab at it and keep going for a while.
1: You're gonna have to build a little a little thicker skin when it comes to being in podcasting at that level. After a year of podcasting, the whole year of podcasting, I got some of my first feedback. So it was like I was talking into the darkness into the night. No one's listening. And yet I'm looking at my downloads. I know people are downloading my show, and I know that someone's out there listening. So, you know, why aren't they talking back to me? And it took that many episodes before someone said, "Hey, great job!" Let mean just something really small. Or I got an iTunes uh, review, or I got a uh, someone on Twitter who linked back to me, who uh, retweeted something I've posted and said, "Yeah, listen to that. It was really nice." Go back to that marathon. If you think about, if you, you know, maybe this might be difficult if you've never run a marathon. There is a point in each marathon race and this is particularly in the outdoor world when you got trees that really emphasizes this, but when you're doing some long distance type operation, you reach a point in the course where you're by yourself. There's no one in front of you. There's no one behind you. There's this gap that has formed where you're just you and your head. And in podcasting, I think the marathon metaphor works perfectly, is there's going to be some times where you think there's no one listening, but if you go check your stats and at least one person has downloaded you, and maybe it's your mom, but, you know, hey, mom's listening. That's cool. Chances are it won't be. You, you have to go and, and kind of think about that's not a subscriber. That's a listener. That's a human being who downloaded your podcast and l- at least downloaded it. You know, the listening thing, well, that's a debate for another time. But at least someone out there did that. And as you look at those stats, would they say 20 people's a classroom? Yeah. If you had, you're standing in a classroom with 20 people and you're looking at them in the eyeballs – that's the same as the 20 people that download your podcast. And each audience is different. This is the most frustrating thing I think that I've experienced is with Merchants of Dirt, it's an audience of, of race promoters. And there's like, what, five to 10 race promoters per big city in the United States. It's about 3,000 people. So when I have 100 some downloads with that podcast, I'm hitting right where I need to be my percentage for my market because my market is tiny, tiny, tiny. I'm a niche of a niche of a niche. Yet, Get Lost Racing, which is just a, you know, hey, let me tell you about this weird race. And that podcast in 12 episodes blew away my first podcast that I've been doing for a year. That was frustrating. (laughs) It was very frustrating (laughs) to see this one other podcast, which I didn't market. I didn't advertise. I barely put up a website. It's like it doesn't exist. And yet it totally outperformed Merchants of Dirt. I only did 12 episodes. So it's just kind of sitting idle right now. And so when season two comes around, we'll see what happens. But it's weird how the audience, depending on which audience you have, depends on what kind of you know traction you're going to get. And sometimes when your audience is really, really tiny, and you get 10 downloads, that's awesome. If, you're t- yeah. if your audience is only like 200 people, I mean, do the percentage. That's five percent of the people love you. So I think that's, that's what they got to put in their mind. They got to they have to rethink the way the size of your audience. And if you niche, niche, niche way down, they say that with the riches are in the niches and your audience are super small, then 30 downloads is not bad. You know, be, be proud that that's 30 people.
0: Yeah. And I think there's a, another little principle embedded in what you just shared that you may not even realize is there. Your second show did so much better than your first show with less promotion, less marketing, that kind of thing. But I think the intangible that's hard to quantify is that you, the podcaster were more experienced You probably put out a better product initially. You probably shortened your processing time and your learning curve, which are all intangibles when it comes to reaching your actual audience. But you also probably kind of instinctively knew how to get the word out about it that you didn't even know because you had learned those hard lessons from the first show. And so it's easy to look at the first show and say, man, that one was a failure compared to the second one. No, no, not at all. That was the classroom that taught you how to get the success on the second one, I believe. That is right on point. I totally believe
1: that too. Yep.
0: Yeah. So the other blog post that I wanted to zip through here for a moment uh, that you have on your site is called find your audience, earn their trust, then lead them to your podcast. Man, I could beat this drum forever as well. So (laughs) I'm just going to outline the first, the the three steps. You've got three steps involved in that statement. I'm going to outline all three of them and just let you talk instead of uh, breaking each one down individually because I think they all flow together really well. Step number one says, find out where your audience lives online and in the marketplace. Okay, so that's finding the people. Step number two, connect with your audience and earn their trust. Step number three, then convince them to become listeners with compelling content. Okay, Kyle, walk all over that.
1: Okay, so this is a concept that I learned from a lady named Amy Hoy who runs something called stackingthebricks.com. She's got all sorts of uh, of blog posts out there that talks about something that she refers to as a sales safari, and she talks about she had a bunch of computer people who were building software where they were building the solving a problem first before they had an audience to solve, you know, to to sell it to, and then they would fail because they had no audience. So the concept was there is especially in the internet world there are online watering holes, Reddit, Facebook blog you know some sort of blog or some sort of you know, some online market somewhere or even particular was amazon book reviews and sort of animals on products and what people say about those products where they live and they like to complain and talk about their owies and their problems and the things that they hate and like and dislike things that they buy and sell there's somewhere out there online that they do that so the whole point of the sale safari was to be that that uh I guess you could say either a hunter or the bird watcher or the animal watcher to find out where that watering hole is. That was kind of step number one. You had to find out somewhere online your audience lives. So if you're a podcaster with me, with off-road racing, there is all sorts of little pockets of places where people talk about off-road stuff. So it's finding those places and then kind of being that watcher. What are they talking about? What do they care about? What do they not care about? What do they all get a huge flame wars over what's the topic no one's talking about that you've read about that you know it's there. That's kind of that first concept. The second is you need to be with C3PO say you are now a part of the tribe, right? Where you have to go find your Ewok, you find that Ewok village and become a member of that tribe. Not by saying, I have a podcast go here. I have a podcast go here. They're going to turn you off because you haven't earned your right to be there. And that's kind of the important part about earning their trust. They're going to ask all these questions. And I think if you go into the podcasts about podcasting world, there's some particular ones on Facebook where people will jump in and say, look at my podcast or come to my blog or look at my, li- look at my stuff, or they'll go on there and ask questions. The point of two with connecting your audience, earning the trust is answer their questions. Talk to them, solve their problems, give them the value and be a representative of, oh, you need an answer? You need to go to Kerry. carrie has got the answer for that. Oh, you need to ask that question? You need to go over and do talk to Kerry. He's got the all the answers for that stuff. You become that source, that trusted source, so that once you've earned the trust, then you can go tell them about your podcast, like in step three. You can tell them, oh my gosh, here's the answer. You give them this big, huge answer. Oh, by the way, I wrote an article about it, and I did a podcast about it, too, if you really want more information. It's kind of working through that step rather than just kind of walking in and just kind of with your blow horn and say, here I am, love me. That will not work. You have to earn their trust first by being a member of the community and be accepted to be allowed to do that stuff. They get their permission and the trust is where the permission comes from.
0: Hey, we will get back to the episode right after this short break. I promise. Do you have questions about podcasting? I just might have some answers for you. You can go to PodcastFastTrack.com slash question and leave your question or comment. Who knows? You might hear your melodious voice on the next episode. I always keep my promises. So here we go. It's one of those marketing principles that you hear quite often, you know, being known, liked and trusted is vital to anything you're going to sell. I mean, I've got a couple of clients who are sales and marketing kind of guys. And man, the number of times I've heard them say that is (laughs) unbelievable because it's so true. I mean, people are not going to buy from you if they don't trust you, if they don't like you. I mean, you just think about the last time you walked onto a car lot, you know, to buy a car and the salesman gave you that smarmy feeling. I mean, you immediately didn't like him and you didn't want to buy anything from him. It's kind of the same thing. And if you're that guy who's in those communities that you find online saying, read my stuff, download my PDF, listen to my podcast, you know, and that's all that you're doing. You're that smarmy guy. Let's just face it. That's what you are. So you have to build the trust. And I think this goes one step deeper, Kyle. Trust actually works out being real between you and someone else because you demonstrate concern for them. You're actually doing something to benefit them and you're not asking anything in return. Am I right on
1: that? Absolutely. I think even in halfway through, I wrote this line that says, jumping only to promote yourself only alienate you and poison the well of your podcast engagement efforts. And then I said, what you need to do is give, 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 then promote yourself, then give some more. You think give five times is not a mistake. You have to be willing to kind of give some stuff away for free. Some people all say, I got a secret, I can't tell anybody. You have to buy my class or subscribe to my whatever. It's like, no, you need to tell them that you have something to say It's of value, and when you earn that respect and that trust, they'll want to buy from you if you're selling something. Or be part of your community if you're just doing this, you know, as a hobbyist. If you want to be treated as the trusted source in XYZ, you'll earn that respect. If you are just constantly giving back to that community, but yeah. you got to become a member first. You can't just kind of shove yourself in there because you've been a lurker for all this time and pretend they're going to accept you right off the bat. They won't.
0: Yeah, that's totally true. I learned that kind of the hard way. I've got a, a course about using audacity, the editing software for podcasting. And I kind of stumbled upon this principle and how it actually works because years before I created a YouTube channel and a website called free audacity tutorials and all of the content on there's free, just like the website says, you know, and I realized kind of after the fact, most of what's in the beginner course in my pay for course is that free stuff. And it's already out there for free. And so when I started realizing that I put a link in the YouTube description to my actual course page and lo and behold, guess what people who have, used eight or 10 or 12 of my free videos realize I've got more content and they come and they purchase. It's really an amazing way that that works. And it's not a manipulative thing. It's not a, you know, a bait and switch thing. I mean, I'm giving them great value to begin with. And then the course that they get is even more great value. And what you're doing is you're building your reputation. You're building your, your platform as an
1: expert. I mean, and they could do it all by themselves. They I mean they could if they wanted to they could piece it all together from all the stuff you put online, they could do it themselves. I think what happens is once you've earned their trust and they realize that you know what you're talking about, sometimes they see the product that you put together, the package that you put together that says, hey, and here's a here's a way to do it by saving you a bunch of time. That's when that connection between, well, I you know I could do it all myself, but that would take me six months. Here's something I could buy that say, you know, I could do it in eight hours. and I trust this guy. I trust that his content's good. Uh, you know what? I really want to save the time. Yeah. And that's, I think that's where the connection's made.
0: Yeah. And that's why Starbucks has a drive through you know? <laughs> exactly. You, I guarantee you, you can make a better cup of coffee than Starbucks in your kitchen. If you're willing to buy the equipment, learn how to use it, do it every day. I mean, you can do it, but Starbucks has a drive through because of convenience. I mean, you're Absolutely. able to get a decent cup of coffee. You can go through in a hurry. You can make it on your way to work with no delays. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really, at first, I kind of felt like, well, that's kind of taking advantage of people when they could get it for free. No, it's not at all. People will pay for convenience. That is a valuable thing to them. And so if you can put it all together in a package that makes sense and is sequential and one thing leads into the other real naturally, people will pay for that. And there's nothing wrong with making a product that takes advantage of that. Take advantage is not the right
1: phrase, but you know what I'm saying. You can build a business out of that. By Absolutely. Making, making the convenience, as long as you're, you're showing that well, here's everything I learned and the value of all that. And by the way, here's a packaged version of that that's, or even a, a specialized version of that that'll help streamline it. I think that plays well for, I guess you could say there's this, I don't want to call it passive income business, but there's a, a kind of a niche business that has created from that kind of thinking of, yeah, you could do all this stuff and you could spend all this time doing that. But the, the convenience models, I mean, time's a limited resource. You yeah, know, people want to learn how to podcast. They want to. They don't want to do what I did. They don't want to spend six months and do it all. You know, do everything wrong and then learn how to do it right. That's painful. When they yeah. can just go to something more condensed and learn. You know, the final way that I learned it, or the final way someone else learned it, and learn from them. There's a market there.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and especially with that trust factor being built already, people become customers without you even having to convince them. Because they've already been convinced by there you go yeah. by your expertise that you've demonstrated so far. So, Kyle, what do you want to tell us about GagglePod that we need to know? I think there's a lot of listeners out there that potentially are on the front end of their learning curve; they're just now getting started. How can GagglePod help?
1: Well, GagglePod, of course, it's just like any other meetup. It's free. It's small. It's intimate. You can come and learn a whole lot. And we're going to try to expand it and roadshow it. So, if you're in the Washington D.C. area, We've got a couple new connections. We're going to start to expand in some areas that, you know, DC is one of those weird cities that some people don't own a car. So try to find those locations where, where you, you know, you can get to, or you can get off the Metro or something like that. So we're going to, I think in 2018, the goal is to expand this out to reach some, some different audiences, especially in downtown DC. I've been invited to come to uh, PodFest pod fest at podfest.us to uh, talk on a panel about building meetups And so i have uh, this little tiny meetup and uh, some experience with other meetups for the past 10 years. So hopefully, you know, I'll even have that more refined as well. And we're just going to keep producing good quality podcast education. I think that's kind of the goal for 2018 and grow the group, have some new people become podcasters as well. And hopefully even go, uh, you know, get some, maybe even get big enough to invite some speakers. I think for the tiny little organizational group we have building this. We talked about doing GagglePod X, some sort of conference where we could do our own kind of thing. We love uh, Jennifer Crawford over at uh, DC Podfest, but uh, we're thinking maybe for the further south, the central Virginia, somewhere in Richmond. So there's some podcasting stuff popping up down there as well. So that's kind of our growth. We're looking to kind of like grow this thing very organically, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, that's great. And if you are listening and you're not in the Washington D.C. or Virginia area. You can definitely go to gagglepod.com and check out the blog. I would encourage you to subscribe to it. These two posts that we walked through today are just an example of the kinds of things that Kyle is sharing. And there's a lot of other stuff on the site that you could definitely work from to get yourself educated in better ways. Kyle, I so appreciate your time. How can people connect with you? Is it just at gagglepod is the best place or have you got a Facebook group you want to send them to?
1: I am all over the place. If you're into off road stuff, definitely go to Merchants of Dirt.com or GetLostRacing.com. They're all part of my umbrella thing, which I started a while ago as a blogger called Reckoner.com, which is the recreational engineer, Reckoner. So I, I started blogging and then podcasts birthed from that. And then teaching people how to podcast became Gagglepond. So if you can come to one of those four places, you can find me. I think I've invested most of my stuff into Merchants of Dirt and Gagglepond. So those are the, you know, come there. I'd love to have you. would love to join. You can join. All my links are there. Tons of stuff if you want to connect to me. I mean, I think if you typed in my name and podcasting on, on Google right now, it's, I'm kind of shocked to see how much I've built, how many bricks I've stacked. I mean, this stuff starts to grow really quick. And it's, yeah. it kind of becomes its own animal after a while. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's a a little scary, so. Yeah, and how
0: many Kyle Bondos are there out there who are into podcasting and dirt bike racing, you know? Well, yeah. You've uh, got a pretty exclusive niche there. Well, Kyle, thanks so much for your time, and it was great to connect with you again.
1: Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Kerry, for your time, and I really love being on your show.
0: (laughs) Hello. One of the things I love about Kyle's story is he's just an everyday guy. He was interested in lots of different things, mountain bike racing, events, those kinds of things. And he just kind of followed the development of things as it progressed and found ways to add value to people. He did that through his meetups for his mountain biking. He did that now through meetups for podcasters. And doing that, taking that kind of initiative is what it takes to make anything thrive. And so I think one of the lessons that we can learn from Kyle from this episode is just that you don't have to be some kind of ultra super special specialist in any kind of a area you can grow and share what you're learning as you go. And then you become that person. It's right back to the Steve Martin quote, you know, you get better as you go and you get to be that person. That's so good that they can't ignore you. And I think Kyle is one of those people. So that's it for this episode of podcastification. If you could subscribe, that would be wonderful. And now you know what time it is. It's time for you to go out and make it a podcastificating day.